Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Have You Seen That With T. It is your host, T. Here we are, episode 22. Yes, we're here, episode 22. I just completely lost my train of thought. I had something real clever to say with the number 22. It involved the gun, but I said, you know what? I'm not even going to go there. So... Here we are, very slow week entertainment-wise. The entertainment industry is canceling everything, every project that Will Smith has <laughs> ever thought about. Like, uh, And I find it to be pretty funny. And the only reason I say that is because I, I read something saying that uh, they wanted to reboot the reboot of A-Team but with Will Smith in it, which really didn't make any sense unless he was playing Hannibal. That would make sense, but uh, yeah, they're just they're just uh, Hollywood is really trying to uh, cancel Will Smith until next year, and then people want to hear or see his story or whatever the case may be, because America loves a redemption story, and that's exactly what this episode is all about—the redemption story, aka the reboot, the remake. Uh, you know, a movie might have done really well and Hollywood decides, hey, we want to redo this. Um, and they've been really, really bad at this recently. Uh, I would say about the last 20 years, we've recycled so many ideas. We've recycled so much source material to make uh, new and exciting movies TV series and you know a lot of them just don't work uh, and we're gonna start with this week's review um, Firestarter so Firestarter 1983 movie starring Drew Barrymore this is I think this is right on the heels of you know the height of E.T. and you know Drew Barrymore stars a, this is like one of her first starring roles as a young child actress um, and, you know, she has telekinetic, telekinetic powers uh, that allows her to create fire with her mind. Um, the remake almost, you know, I can't, like, I didn't go and rewatch the original. Um, but from what I remember, it was, it was a dark movie. This was a dark movie. Bloomhouse. You know, they've been remaking, you know, rebooting a lot of horror, you know, Halloween, you know, the whole Halloween series, the new the new Halloween movies. Um, and they recently rebooted The Invisible Man, which was amazing. Um, so I came into this movie, you know, the, the previews, the trailers of this movie, uh, Firestarter, starring Zac Efron, really, you know, intrigued me. Because I, I thought the movie, the, the original movie, uh, you know, it, it had legs. Uh, there was room to grow on the story. Um, and I was excited to watch this movie right up until I was about to watch the movie and I saw it was only an hour and 30 minutes. Um, and not for nothing. I just don't think an hour and 30 minutes is, you know, enough time to tell a uh, an engaging story anymore you know you know the 90 minute movies uh you can you can make 90 minute mo 90 minute movies and they they can be exactly what they are 
you know, every Fast and the Furious movie needs to be 90 minutes because they're just boom, 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 action sequence. You know, Dom uh, jumps off of a building, saves Letty with one arm, you know, while still in his, in his uh, you know, GT or whatever the case may be. Um, but if you're trying to tell an engaging story, it's really hard to do that in an, in an hour and 30 minutes, especially if you want to actually... Um, indulge in more than one character. You could tell an hour and 30 minute movie, um, you know, uh, a 90 minute movie, you can tell a story about one character and just a day in the life or something like that. But I, I just think 90 minutes is not enough time for me to invest in, you know, character development of more than one person. You know, if you're cluttering the screen, um, and you're just telling, trying to tell a coherent story. It's just really hard to do in 90 minutes. So right when I saw the runtime, I said, man, they're going to pack a lot in a little bit. And they tried to, but it just didn't work. It, it really didn't. Uh, you know, we got the backstory of Zac Efron and his wife. You know, they were part of experiments, um, which, you know, they ended up having... The, the child who was the fire starter and you know of course nefarious government groups are trying to uh, uh, you know get this child and once again you know budgets matter right there's the sequence at the end of the movie where uh, this little girl's trying to break in to free her dad and I'm completely spoiling the movie but it's on Peacock um, you know, feel free to watch it. There's no real surprises here. Um, but she goes in to break her, break out her dad, and like the level of security in this place is like, you know, they're supposed to be, uh, you know, there's experimental labs that are creating these meta humans, so to speak, uh, and like the security is like ten people, fifteen people, like. I don't know. I just thought it was very underwhelming, uh, you know, her trying to get in and escape. Like it was, you know, a group of 10 people supposed to be guarding like the most dangerous type of humans that we have on this planet. You would think there would just be a little bit more uh, manpower, you know, to protect us, so to speak. Uh, and and the, the movie had some really the only ominous thing about this movie was the music. It had like this really cre creepy synthy uh, 70s style like and it might have been original music too. Who knows? Because uh, once again, I didn't go back and watch the original, uh, but it just didn't work. It just didn't work for me. Um, you know, Zac Efron was Zac Efron. He's very brooding now. Like he's he's become Robert Pattinson to me. Like his movies are very brooding. I, I, I enjoy him as an actor. He's a great actor. Um, he starred in another reboot, uh, Baywatch, which I found very entertaining. Um, but but uh, yeah, it just yeah, this movie it served its purpose to be made, but it just wasn't that good of a movie, you know, at least not in my eyes. And and unfortunately, I was kind of skewed because people were already posting how they didn't like it. And I don't like going into any movie. I, I, I've realized that about myself is if my friends are dunking on a movie, they're saying the movie's terrible. 
I go into it with already negative thoughts, already thinking it's going to be terrible. Um, And I want to say that on air publicly, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop caring about like what people think. I've, I've edited some of my list to put more popular movies that I knew that my friends, you know, that the potential audience is going to enjoy, you know, and not really weighing in on what is my list, you know. Uh, so I'm gonna get out of that. Ha- <clears throat> I'm gonna get out of that habit because you know I can't give you a real show, um, or you know the show serves no purpose if I'm just skewing it just to, you know, hopefully appease the ten people who listen to this. <laughs> so you know I, I I will never edit my list again. I will never. And and I just have to like I, I that's what one of the reasons why I try to go see movies Wednesday night Thursday night I want to I want to do it before I see any any review, um, so I really go into it with a blank slate, not thinking it's good, bad, whatever, or not thinking people thinks it's good or bad. Um, you know I, I like to keep it you know as neutral as possible going to the movie. Um, but th- this movie just wasn't that great of a movie. It wasn't terrible, um, but it, it just so much more could have been done. And I'm not saying you have to make a three-hour, you know, opus. Um, but you know, 90 minutes is just really hard to pack a, a true story in there. Um, you know, especially with multiple characters with multiple layers, it's just hard to do. And, and like I, I saw the runtime and I was like, all right, this is going to be just, you know, popcorn, a, a popcorn film. Um, but they were, I felt like they were trying to do more in, in you know, just 90 minutes. It's not enough time. So we're going to move on. Firestarter not going to be in my top 10 of all reboots and remakes. Um, you know, not probably wouldn't even make an honorable mention. I'm not gonna lie; I'll probably never watch this movie again. It'll just be a movie that existed. Um, and there you have it. And then last night I tried to get in another movie. Uh, There's a new movie on on Netflix, The Senior Year, starring Rebel Wilson. Um, I really tried. I fell asleep on it. It was uh, it wasn't that good. I will say this. Before I move on, I enjoyed Rebel Wilson when she was fat. <laughs> She's lost a lot of weight. She looks like a completely different human now. Um, stuff like I thought she was a pretty, you know, pretty, pretty lady. You know, even when she was heavy set. And, and of course, you know, everybody's health is everybody's health. You know, uh, she. Obviously, you know, didn't feel good about herself. Um, you know, of course, Hollywood is brutal. You know, you got to be smaller. You got to be whatever. Uh, she didn't want to be typecasting the roles that she was playing. But I feel like she's still playing the exact same role, you know, even though she's lost all that weight. Um, and, and, of course, that's her personal choice. Um, but it, it just... Felt funny. That's what I, that's what I would say. It felt funny. Didn't feel natural, is it? Like it really didn't feel natural to me. And the movie just was. It was, 
you know, one of those type typical like satires of eighties, um, you know, pop culture. And I just fell asleep on it. Wasn't that good, so uh we'll move on. You know, check out senior I'ma finish it. I will finish it. Cause I like to see how movies end. I'm pretty sure it'll end like, you know, every other eighties movie. Um, but yeah. Senior year, fell asleep on it. I really wanted to finish it, uh, to review it for the podcast. But maybe I'll get it next week, because this week coming up is another slow week. Um, But let's move on. Top reboots and remakes of all times. So in doing this list, right, I started doing my research. and, And all my research entails is me typing in reboots and remakes you know, or best reboots and remakes, uh, just to jar my memory, because my memory's kind of going now. Um, And a lot of horror came up, you know, and I didn't want to do that because there's so many horror remakes and reboots, and most of them are terrible. No lie. Um, A few good ones that come to mind, It, it was a TV movie I watched as a kid, wasn't it, it was a good TV movie, uh, TV uh, you know miniseries, uh, but the movies were were intense. You know the movies were pretty good. Uh, Let Me In that was a remake of a Swedish movie. Let the Right One In that was a pretty good movie uh, with Chloe uh, Moretz um, from the Kick Ass movies. Um, she was in that movie and it, it was a pretty good movie. Dawn of the Dead, that was one of my favorite zombie movies, you know, other than 28 Days Later. Uh, but, yeah, Dawn of the Dead was a really good one. Uh, that one really started, I thought it was going to be terrible, but it actually turned out to be a pretty good zombie movie, pretty good horror movie. I would say the best horror movie uh, movie remake that I've seen probably in the last decade, two decades, <clears throat> Evil Dead. Now, I've never seen the original Evil Dead, right? I'm going off a of hearsay. A lot of people consider this to be one of the, you know, most iconic horror movies. You know, Sam Raimi's calling card <clears throat> spawned, you know, however many sequels. Um, and I didn't really want to go back and watch. I don't, I don't really like 70s, 80s, you know, early 80s horror, horror. Not, you know, I like slasher horror, but I, I don't really like because it looks so terrible. Like the the effects, they gross me out because they look so terrible. Not that they look real. It just looks terrible. It looks terribly done. It makes my stomach turn just looking at horrible special effects. Um, And I didn't want to see it. But, you know, everybody said it was, you know, the reboot was almost shot for shot. It was, of course, you know, modernized. Um, and I really thought the reboot was scary. Like I thought it was it was it was gross. It was grotesque in a good way. Um, and it was a good horror movie. Uh, the Halloween, like they've rebooted Halloween a billion times, uh, and they've gotten actually better with each one of the re- <clears throat> each one of the reboots. Uh, the Rob Zombie reboots were really good. I liked Halloween H2O. I thought that one was like a, probably one of the top three Halloween movies made. Um, and then these last series of reboots for Halloween, other up to Halloween Kills, the first you know Halloween remake 
uh, that they made that was that was a good one. Uh, and then Halloween Kills came out and it just ruined it for me. It was te- that was terrible. Um, or Halloween Lives, I think that was the one. I think that was his name. Uh, but yeah, it was, the Halloween Kills was just it was terrible. Me and my wife watched that. I want to say on Halloween night, and it was just bad. We both thought it was bad, and and we both hated ourselves for wasting time watching that movie. So we'll we'll lay off the horror because I mean they've made so many different horror reboots, and none of them really, you know, come close to the originals, other than it, and uh, and and Evil Dead, uh, but the rest of them were just bad. They they just were. Um, so we're gonna lay off the the horror. Uh, some of the honorable mentions for for top reboot. I really enjoy the Star Trek movies. So Star Trek is such a niche uh, fan base, a niche uh, sci-fi genre. You know, it, it it has its own world, like Star Wars, which are terrible, by the way. All of the Star Wars movies, like, don't at me. You can, you know. Feel how you feel, but like going back and watching all nine movies, the only good one is Rogue One. Like Rogue One is like the the best Star Wars movie, and it doesn't star a Skywalker other than the one cameo at the end when Darth Darth Vader goes in and just obliterates everybody. Um, at the end of the movie, which is probably one of the great like I end of theater. When that scene happened at the end of Rogue One, when Darth Vader shows up and just starts eviscerating people, that was like the most badass scene in any Star Wars movie, hands down. Uh, it was just, it was a better movie than every other Star Wars movie. It just was. Um, yeah, I hate the Skywalkers. I hate Luke. Uh, I hate Kylo Ren. I hate Anakin. They were just all whiny, crying, like, no. They just, no, terrible. Han Solo, awesome. Lando Carissian, the only black person in the whole Star Wars universe, uh, awesome. Uh, and then Finn, you know, he shows up later. Uh, but yeah, the rest of them, terrible. Ray, terrible. All of them, terrible. Poe Dameron, terrible. Princess Leia, awesome. Chewbacca, awesome. But yeah, enough about Star Wars. I just got on my Star Wars rant. Terrible, terrible set of movies, but people love them. But Star Trek, on the other hand, right? Star Wars people hate Star Trek because they think, you know, they think they're in even in the same level of sci-fi, and they're not. But the reboot of Star Trek, starring Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, and probably the greatest recasting of all times Zachary Quinto is is Spock is just icon that that is the best recasting you could have ever done um Zoe Saldana's in this movie uh it, it is just, it it was a fun fun movie how they did it how it branched out because of you know um the destruction of Klingon uh, I mean, the destruction of uh, the Vulcan planet, like, it was just so well done. So well done. Um, you know, Lennon Nimoy, 
you know, having having a role in this movie. Just just an amazing, amazing movie. Great villain. Eric Banner played a great villain. Thank goodness he got the brood in the movie as a villain. Um, yeah, it, it was just, it was a phenomenal remake. It was a phenomenal reboot of the series. And then they just branched the Star Trek world in a summer. Like, Star Trek Discovery, one of my favorite shows. Uh, the greatest Star Trek show. Once again, don't at me. Everybody loves the next generation. Everybody loves the original, which only ran, I think, for a season and a half or something like that before they canceled it. You know, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, um, you name it. They've made so many Star Trek series, but I think Discovery's got it right. I haven't watched Brave New Worlds yet. I think that's going to be really good. I think I'll, I'll get into that. Picard. Uh, I watched the first season of Picard. That was that was a really good season uh, of TV. Um, I'm about to get in the second season now. Uh, but the the original remake of Star Trek, like it came with trepidation. It just looked cool. It looked cooler. It felt a lot better uh, as a remake, and it worked. You know, and there, there are a lot that don't, unfortunately, but there, there's some that work. You know, we got a few other remakes uh, of TV shows. Um, Serenity, I spoke about that in my action action movies. You know, Serenity was a remake, uh, was a reboot of Firefly, kind of like a, a continuation of that show, hoping uh, that they would just continue that franchise, which unfortunately didn't happen. Um, which I did hear they are trying to reboot Firefly. I don't know if we missed the boat or now we are in a perfect time because, you know, uh, the way visual effects works now. Uh, but those episodes are going to cost a lot of money. You know, if they do it, do it on HBO or something, a studio that has that money to get it done. Um, what else do we got here? Who else? Oh, Bewitch. One of, like, all right. So Bewitch got trashed in the in the in the. Uh, by critics, by reviewers. I enjoyed this movie. I thought Nicole Kidman was amazing. Will Ferrell, one of his last true funny roles, was amazing. Um, and it just worked for me. I, you know, I'm a rom-com type of guy, and it was a rom-com. It, 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 uh, I, I enjoyed the show growing up, and this one just worked for me. Another, another uh, reboot that from TV from a TV series, The Fugitive. Uh, that was a 60s, 70s uh, t- television series. And then Harrison Ford, that was, you know, that that was Harrison Ford's, like, comeback vehicle, I think, Ni- 1993. Uh, then it went on to U.S. Marshals because Tommy Lee Jones was so great in The Fugitive. Uh, it's a good movie. Richard Kimball, great story. Um, and it just worked as a movie. It, it, the movie did extremely well in the theater. Uh, in theaters, made a boatload of money, uh, and just was great. Uh, another remake. This remake, Cruella. Like that one was pleasantly surprising. Didn't think I would like it. I really love Emma Stone. I think she's fantastic in all of the movies she's in. Uh, but I, I just didn't. You know, I'm not a big 101 Dalmatians guy. Uh, and we and this is the only Disney like remake on this list because Disney remakes every single one of their properties. They've redone it, but this one was just so unique and so different. Um, I just threw it on the list. 
last two honorable mentions before we get into top 10. Uh, Mad Max and Fury Road. I've never liked any of the Mad Max movies. Beyond Thunderdome, if you go back and watch it now, you want to just, like, you want to put your head through the TV. It's terrible. Tina Turner was awesome. I think she was the only reason people enjoyed Beyond Thunderdome because Tina Turner was in it. At least for me, it was. Uh, I didn't, none of the movies uh, were good. They, like, I don't think Mel Gibson spoke in any of the movies. It's really weird. Um, You know, it was just, like, visually... Uh, engaging and Mad Max Fury Road that's all it was was it was visually stunning and that's gonna lead us to story time with T I have to like so Mad Max Fury Road I remember going to see that in the theater I think I do when I first got to Huntsville and I never heard of D-Box if you've never heard of D-Box like uh, it's in certain movie theaters and it pretty much Immerse you in the movies. It's these seats. They lift up. They move to the left and the right. They rattle anytime, um, anytime any actions happen on the movies. Never heard of it before, right? So I'm going in the theater and I, I'm I'm an up close guy. I like to sit in like the first two rows. Weird, I know, but it actually works in my favor because nobody likes those seats. So those seats are generally open unless the movie theater is packed. So I thought I got D-Bucks because the, the ticket counter, they're ta- telling me about it. And it was like an extra five bucks or something. I was like, ah, why not? Let's do it. I thought I got D-Box sixes, but apparently I didn't. So I go in there and I sit in these D-Box seats and the movie starts. And if you've ever seen Mad Max Fear Road, it's a bunch of car chases. It's like, a, it, it's like Fast and the Furious, but post-apocalyptic. Uh, and a lot less family, you know, and and I'm sitting in this seat and this this shit was jarring. It gives you the 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 option to like turn it all the way up, like turn the intensity like up up or like put it on mild. So I turned it up. I'm like this first time I'm going to see it, what this is doing. And that thing almost made me throw up. I'm like, holy, oh, okay, this is too much. I'm turning it down, you know, seeing every time the, the car turned, the seat, you know, jarred to the left and right. And I was like, this is the worst movie to 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 watch your first D-Box movie in. Like, it was the, the absolute worst, you know, to just, like, jump into it and just be just rattled for the first 10 minutes. Of the, I mean, it starts off just, it starts off going, you know. And uh, about 20 minutes go on, and, and one of the, the theater workers walks up to me, hey, you know, uh, can I see a ticket? And I'm like, are y'all doing this to me because I'm black? Like, what is happening right now? And uh, I, oh, this is not a D-block. This is not D, uh, you know, a D-box ticket. And I'm like, what? I thought I did. And, of course, now I look stupid. Now I look, now I look guilty. But, like, theater was damn near empty. And I'm like, you really going to make me move? Oh, yeah, we can't have any. All right, whatever. Get up, go to regular seats. And I was actually thankful because it was really intense. And, of course, the movie gets even more intense as it goes on. Like, it just it just builds up to the crescendo. And this is before even, like, the, the dingo, whatever, the guy with the guitar in the front. Of, like, it, it was... 
the moral of the story is never sit in D box seats because <laughs> the shit. <laughs> this shit is jarring, man. Maybe I, I don't know what it is, but like maybe I've had too many concussions or something. But it was just it was too much. That was the first and last time I've ever gotten those D box seats. Uh, if you've never heard of them, find a theater that has them and see what it's like. Don't wait till Fast Ten. Don't go do it during a Fast and the Furious movie though, because you probably you probably gonna throw up in the middle of the movie. It might be too much for you. Go you know go watch something. Little less action packed, little less car chases, you know. Because uh, I mean, those things move. Like, there's a lot of space in between all of those seats because they don't just, it's not just a slight move to the left and the right. Nah, it like throws you to the left and the right. <laughs> you know, at least from my experience. I thought that was funny. That was a funny experience, especially when the ticket counter comes up to me and is like, hey, you know, you're not supposed to be here. And, and the theater was so empty. It's like, dude, you could let me live. Like, nobody's coming for these seats, but they just wanted to be assholes. But I digress. You know, another last honorable mention for, for remakes, the Mission Impossible series in itself. Um, great series of movies. The first one really didn't do it for me. It made a lot of money, and... I didn't know how to, like, I didn't really want it to be like James Bond because the first one was really James Bond-esque. And, and by the way, none of the James Bond movies, even though every time they, they've rebooted the reboots uh, of James Bond, but, like, I, I didn't put any of those movies in uh, because going back and looking at them, they're really not that good either. Uh, once again, don't at me. Casino Royale, now that you look at it, like, 20 years later, not that good. Uh, the last one was was okay, but I digress. But the Mission Impossible movies, they've gotten better. Like it really was Mission Impossible three, where it really hit its stride. Like uh, the one with uh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, that was a really good one. That that was like that was the one that was the Mission Impossible movie that really got me hooked. And then ever since then, every single one of the plots are the exact same. It can't be just me who thinks that. You watch a Mission Impossible movie, the mission the mission team gets outed. Uh, there's a, a catastrophe that happens, and now the entire government's turning back on them. And Ethan Hunt has to clear the team's name. That's literally the plot of the last four Mission Impossible movies. Like... Something happens, they get blamed for it, the U.S. disavows their existence, and Ethan Hunt has to save the world and clear the team's name. And then at the end, everything's all good, they've saved the world, the team is back on the payroll, and, and we move on about our day. Literally, that's the, the plot of the last four movies. It's it it's insane <laughs> like, like how that just becomes the running plot. And it happens every single one. Weird. Weird, weird, weird. Uh, but let's move into the top 10 remakes, reboots of all time, as told by your boy T. Um, and once again, this is my list. Every single movie on here I've seen. And, and once again, the lists are about feelings. The feelings these movies elicit me to have, not saying they're the greatest movies ever made, they're just great to me. 
So we're going to start off with number 10, one of the most underrated, criminally underrated movies of all time, The A-Team. I love this movie. I thought it was a great action movie. I thought Rampage's B.A. Baracus was perfect casting. You know, Liam Neeson, uh, Sherida Copley, um, Bradley Cooper, just great casting for the A-Team. For some reason, it just didn't work. And as I was doing research for this, I was trying to figure out what year A-Team came out. Um, and that's when I saw the story about Will Smith and I was like, man, they're really, they're really, you know, trying to not make any more Will Smith movies. And I just find that to be uh, pretty bad, pretty sad. Anyways, yeah, A-Team, I really enjoyed it. I've spoken about this movie enough. I just think it's criminally underrated. Uh, and it, it was just, it was unique in the sense of it wasn't its 80s predecessor you know it modernized everything about the about the show about the you know concept and it just made it awesome like it was some really good action sequences in that movie um and it just it, it just worked we'll move on to number nine 2020 spencer for hire so I first heard that this movie was coming out maybe a few months before it dropped on Netflix. I saw the preview and I was like, oh, man, Mark Wahlberg. You got to love, gotta love Mark Wahlberg, right? Um, and it was Spencer for Hire. And I was like, okay, I remember the show in the 80s. It was a very dour, very like uh, uh, serious, you know, serial, serialized, you know, criminal TV show every week. You know, Spencer would get a new case and he would solve it. Then you had Hawk. You threw Hawk in there, you know, playing by James Avery. Not James Avery. Avery Brooks. There you go. Uh, another captain from Deep Space Nine. Uh, but he played Hawk. And uh, and I was like, what are, what are they doing? Like, why are you remaking this movie? It's not. It wasn't that great of a movie to begin with. I mean, it wasn't that great of a TV show. It wasn't that memorable. Uh, but it was memorable enough to to make a uh, a movie about it. <coughs> then I found out that you know the whole Spencer uh, character was a was based on some novels, and I don't know if they wanted to get closer to the novels because the show in the eighties was so like I said it was a very serious you know seriously toned show, and I don't know if the books were were not as serious. Um, but this movie was was great. I mean, like Mark Warburg played the character great, but Keem Woodbine, uh, you know, great in this in this movie. Um, Mbaku from Black Panther. I don't know this guy's name. I can't think of it right now. Uh, but he was great as Hawk in the movie. I thought that was was really good casting. You know, very imposing, intimidating guy. Winston Duke. There you go. That was his name. Um, but the movie was just fun. It was a funny movie. It was a fun movie. Uh, Mark Wahlberg got his ass whipped in 90% of the movie, but it, somehow he still made it out. Good old Boston guy, Boston. You know, everybody had their Boston accents. I thought that was funny. In itself, and, it, and the movie just worked. It was a Netflix movie. I'm pretty sure they're going to make a sequel. They're going to make another Spencer for Hire movie because he's just this down-on-his-luck guy who just wants the right thing to happen. <laughs> Moving on to number eight, The Mummy. 
Not to be confused with this crap that came out a few years ago with Tom Cruise. Uh, this was a 99, uh, I think it was, came out in 1999. Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss, fantastic movie, right? So at one point in time, and when, when they made this Tom Cruise remake, they were trying to make the Universal Marvel, uh, Universal Monsters universe, which literally makes zero sense like literally makes zero sense but this mummy remake um was so much fun you know it was it was such a fun it, it got back to like the you know indiana jones uh you know raiders of the lost ark like it had that like fun and very like old adventure sense to it you know you had the swashbuckling hero brendan frazier uh you know the damsel in distress ones up being like a lot stronger than she she led on to um and then you had the mummy then and at the time it was some of the best visual effects we had seen uh, you know, in the movie, and they, and they went on to make you know three or four sequels, each one of them being worse than the first. Uh, but it was it was a fun series, though. Don't get me wrong; I really enjoyed that the Mummy series in itself. And then they went and ruined it. You know, tried to remake it, and it just didn't work. Um, the Tom Cruise uh, variation was terrible. Uh, but but that original, you know, Mummies mummy series with, with brendan fraser was really great uh, it was great for movies it was something different you had a different leading man you know different leading lady uh different type of story and it just worked it was it was it was a lot of fun you know going to the movies was fun you, you laughed you and you jumped you know it was it was it, it was a little bit of everything it wasn't that horror it wasn't that much horror at all to me it's more of an action adventure type movie with a you know few horror elements in it, which makes for a great movie. Moving on to number seven, we got Ocean's Eleven. Um, so I heard about Ocean's Eleven, you know, coming out, and I just was not interested. Completely not interested. I didn't didn't enjoy the Rat Pack. You know, good old Frank Sinatra, chairman of the board, uh, Dean Martin and, and Sammy Davis Jr. And all didn't know, had no interest in seeing this movie up until I started hearing people talk about it. And they're like, oh, this movie's good. You know, it's better than you think it's going to be. And I remember seeing it, uh, you know, at home. Didn't go to the theater to see it. I think I went subsequently saw all the rest of them in the theater. Uh, but. Ocean's Eleven was just a smart, fun movie. You know, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon. Uh, I, I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny how Matt Damon was like the bit player in part one. And then by the time like Ocean's 13 came around, he was such a like mega star that they gave him like, a, a you know, the bigger role. And at the time, you know, when uh, Ocean's Eleven came around, Bernie Mac was at the height of his comedy career, and he had a big, he had like a lot of scenes in the original Ocean's Eleven. Um, you know, I felt like he played a bigger part, but then by the time Ocean's Thirteen came around, uh, you know, his star had, you know, he had made Miss 3000, you know, at this point, I think. Um, and I think his star diminished a little, and his role got cut down a lot. 
because like in Ocean's Eleven, he was like one of the best friends, and then by the thirteen, like he's like he's in like two scenes, and that was that was really it. I thought that was that was you know weirdly uh, funny. You know, the Matt Damon became such a big star that they they just cut. You know, Casey Affleck at the time he's in one of them, and uh, I think everyone thought his star was gonna rise. You know, son of uh, brother Ben Affleck, and his just didn't. And and you know, Matt Damon's role just got bigger and bigger as the movies went on. <clears throat> but yeah, Ocean's Eleven, number seven, uh, number six, uh, The Equalizer. Another dour '80s show like the, like the, this. These were like just. I remember them being these dark serial, serialized criminal shows where every week, you know, something bad happens to somebody. They find the equalizer who's like a private detective or something, and he goes and beats up the bad guys. And that's exactly what Denzel does in these movies. Uh, but once again, they they stylize it for you know present day audience. And they just make it awesome. And of course, we all know Denzel hates doing sequels, and he's done Equalizer two, and he's gonna do Equalizer three. And Equalizer two, I think, was better than the first one, honestly. Um, so I'm really happy about that. And it, this was once again like I vaguely remember the shows from the '80s, but but the movies just you know popularized. And then of course they redid the show Queen Latifah. I've never watched the episode of it. Um, which I'll talk about at the end of this episode. Why I've never watched the episode of The Equalizer with Queen Latifah. Um, number five on this list, Scarface. Scarface is a remake of a you know '50s movie, Scarface, and then they just made it different. They made the lead character from Cuba, uh, starring a white man named Al Pacino. I really, as a kid, I really thought that Al Pacino was from Cuba. I was like, Al Pacino, that's a weird name for a Cuban guy. <laughs> but uh, everybody in this in this movie put on brown face, which, of course, is terrible. Uh, there have been talks of redoing Scarface for years. Please don't. Please don't. 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 Just don't. No. Mm-mm. No, don't redo Scarface. Just leave it as it is. It, it was hammy. It was terrible, but it was awesome. Like, if you go back and look at Scarface now, it is terrible. It really is. The accents, every, like, the editing. It It's not a good movie, but it it, it is taken on a life of its own. Uh, it has become this cult classic, this hood classic everybody everybody like living the american dream you know uh you know because he only got two things two things man my balls and my word That's my best tony montana impression anyways moving on to number four <laughs> uh the invisible man i think this came out in 2020 uh literally came out of nowhere literally uh i remember trying to watch the movie i was on a deployment and i tried to watch the movie and it was just dark and i was like nah i don't know i'm not in the mood to watch a dark movie i thought it was going to be more suspenseful i thought it was going to be like uh i thought it would be more uh 
action-oriented, like more stylized, kind of like the Kevin Bacon Invisible Man movie. You know, Kevin Bacon, Elizabeth Shue, they made an Invisible Man movie. Wasn't that good. Um, But this one, Elizabeth Moss, I mean, it was dark. It was so psychologically jarring. Um, and, And I equate it to uh, an abusive relationship, and that's what that's what the dichotomy of this movie was about. Was like just, I mean, this woman was in an abusive relationship, and this man faked his own death uh, and became invisible to further torment and abuse mentally and physically this woman. Um, and it, it it was in that point hit so hard how real it was, how how serious it was how nobody took her seriously even though she had marks even though she you know but it it can't be this guy i mean for the movie's sake he was dead but like you know in real life this this type of stuff happens and and uh you know a lot of times the women are not believed oh this guy's too popular oh no this this town sheriff he can't be doing it this guy's a sergeant major in the army he's a you know full bird colonel uh it it happens it is very unfortunate um but this movie just captured so much of of just the visceral nature of abuse um the psychological nature of abuse every single emotion and i always say elizabeth moss has the plainest face on this planet like her face says nothing but when she's acting her face says everything her mannerisms her reactions she is like she's an iconic actress but every time i see her i'm like man she has a blank face i I find it hilarious like but she's such a great actress i get over that (laughs) like she literally has the plainest face i've ever seen in my life but she's just she's a fantastic actress. One of these days, I'm gonna go back and watch every season of The Handmaid's Tale. I'll probably wanna you know hit people after I finish, uh, but I just want to do it. I'm eventually I'm gonna do it, uh, but just not today. Invisible Man, great movie. If you've never seen it, go watch it. Uh, be in a good headspace though, because it, it it is it is a psychological by every stretch. It's a psychological thriller, Um, and it could be a little bit triggering if you've ever been in an abusive relationship, Uh, but we're going to move on. Number three on my list, one of my favorites, so 21 Jump Street. (laughs) As a kid, I watched 21 Jump Street every week on Fox, came on Saturday nights, um, and I just thought it was so one I thought Holly Robinson was gorgeous like I, I really I stuck with the show because I thought Holly Robinson was just gorgeous she's just she's beautiful uh Dustin Nguyen I thought he was an awesome actor you know Peter DeLuise Johnny Depp then then later on came Richard Grieco um and it was just it was a fun show and as a kid, of course, I don't realize, like, they, they all look like kids to me. But, like, going back and look at it, it's like, these look like grown-ass people in high school. So then the movie comes on. Now, I didn't go see the movie. Actually, I know I did go see the movie in the theater. And the only reason I went and saw the movie in the theater, I was getting my hair cut at a barbershop. 
I want I don't know where I was. I don't remember where I was. I think I was I think this is Fayetteville. It, it was definitely Fayetteville. Get my hair cut. And the barbershop's watching a bootleg version of 21 Jump Street. So I'm not really paying attention to it. And uh, the very end scene where where Peter DeLuise and Johnny Depp were undercover and they pulled off the mask. And Johnny Depp was like, he says something. He was like, I introduced you to my mother. He's like, yeah, and I fucked her too. And I thought that was hilarious. And I was like, oh, snap, this movie is sad. Like, this movie is spoofing the 21 Jump Street like series so then i went to the theater like the next day to see it and dude 21 jump street and 22 jump street are two of the funniest movies like not like they could stand on their own even if there was never a 21 jump street uh ever and i i liked how they had like the cameos uh, of the original stars and, and like sprinkled in there and they weren't all cops like, I thought that was cool. But uh, the Johnny Depp with the makeup playing the old biker and Peter DeLuise is the old biker, uh, that was just clever. And everybody in both movies were hilarious. The funny, one of the funniest movie scenes ever put on screen when Ice Cube found out that his daughter <laughs> was sleeping with <laughs> the dinner scene <laughs> where oh my god queen latifah plays this girl's mom ice cubes a dad and she finds out that uh man how did i forget this kid's name the fat kid they find out that schmidt that's a, that's a schmidt the look on ice cube's face and then when he goes to the buffet oh my god this is i was in the movie theater this is 22 jump street by the way I was in the movie theater, almost falling out of my seat, crying, laughing. Like, his face, like Ice Cube's face, one, knowing where he come from, he gave like that, that Ice Cube gangster face. Like, the, the oh man, hilarious. Then Channing Tatum, when he, <laughs> when he finds out and they're in the office, literally one of the funniest scenes like two of the funniest scenes ever put on screen to me. Like, no matter what, like I could watch that movie right now and I'm still gonna laugh hysterically because it's so funny. Like, just hilarious. Great movies. Twenty One Jump Street was great. Twenty Two Jump Street was great. Um, they could like those movies stand without the original, and I thought that was fantastic. Just two funny movies. And, and like, no, I did not see them coming because when I heard about it, I was like, all right, they're going to be, you know, cops going back into high school. We get it. I know the premise of 21 Jump Street, but they just, they, it was a bit of satire. That's what, <laughs> just a bit of satire. And it worked because they were just great, 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 great movies. All right, moving, speaking of great, these top three. Just great movies. Number two on this list of reboots and remakes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. I've never watched any of the, all the way through, any of the original Planet of the Apes movies. Before my time, they were made in the 70s. They they looked terrible. 
Uh, they rebooted it all for the, you know, Planet of the Apes with Mark Wahlberg. Ving Rhames, I think, was in these. Um, and one of the apes, I remember, looked like Michael Jackson. I thought that was, <laughs> I think it was on purpose. Uh, but it, terrible movie, by the way. Not good. Tim Burton directed that one, and that was supposed to start, you know, the whole new Planet of Apes franchise. Um, and it just didn't. It didn't work. Uh, it it was just not a good movie. So then Matt Reeves, who gone, who's gone on to direct the Batman, he gets the helm. You know, he writes uh, Rise of the Planet of Apes in this movie. The parallels, <laughs> the parallels arise of the planet of apes to the world we live in. Uh, I saw it like being a black man. I felt like the parallels of this movie, um, particularly just seeing where they put Caesar in, in you know, uh, the zoo or, or like the, the, I don't like, I'm assuming it was a zoo. Uh, and he rises in there, you know, to become the leader of his group. Uh, it resonated a lot with, you know, people who look like me. That's what I would say. It, re- it resonated. Um, you know, how he was treated. Uh, you know, the, the thought of him being ignorant. You know, an ignorant ape, you know. Uh, and he wasn't. And, and, you know, all of those, those uh, animal control people, they paid for it. And so did the city of San Francisco. The apes took over the city of San Francisco. Um, and it was, it was such a powerful movie. You know, Andy Serkis, they were talking about, you know, nominate him for Oscar. Like Caesar, that character is iconic. Like it, it, it was an iconic trilogy. Every single one of them were great movies, and and that's very rare, where you get three great movies. Matt Reeves, and and I've read that they're they're gonna continue, uh, you know, the Planet of the Apes series. Um, you know, uh, at the end of part one, you know, the guy goes off into space, kind of like in the you know the original movies. Um, so I wonder if they're gonna go there with that, um, but. It was, it was a beautiful movie. It was so human. Uh, it was so uh, made realistically how this could happen, you know. And each movie kind of made it bigger, like the scope got bigger. First it was San Francisco. Then, you know, they've taken over everywhere, whatever. Uh, the third one, you know, War and Planet of Apes, it was, it, was, it was epic, man. It was a great movie with a, with a really great ending. Uh, to that trilogy and it was just it was a fan it's a fantastic trilogy trilogy you know rise of the planet of apes really star started it and it was a great movie every character in that movie frito frito pinto uh james james franco um john lithgow just great great movie 
I, I enjoyed all three of those movies, but the original, the you know, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, just it, it changed my perspective on what a remake could be. When you give it time, when you when you make it something different, when you make it new, but you put your heart and soul into it, it can really work. And this one really did. But there can only be one. Uh, the number one reboot, reboot or remake of all times, The Departed. The Departed was a remake of a, a you know, Japanese or Chinese um, movie, Internal Affairs. I've never seen that movie. It wasn't directed by John Woo, so I didn't see it. Um, but The Departed was fantastic. I mean, every single human being in this movie was fantastic. Jack Nicholson in probably his best role he's ever played in. Uh, Leo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, Matt Damon. Just great, great, great movie. It was so left field. I did not. I don't like gangster movies. I don't like mob movies. This was none of that. This was just a great story. Uh, a great story. Great acting. Great directing. One of one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and it just worked. It worked on every level. Uh, great movie. I. It, I mean. The iconic scenes, you know, and just great movie, man. Like I, I don't, like Mark Wahlberg cursing, like <laughs> the Boston accent, like everything about this movie just works to me. And this is one of those movies that completely holds up. You could watch it any day of the week. It's still gonna be great. It's still it's still just great. It's not hammy. It's not like it's none of that. It's a great movie. I love it. One of my favorite movies. It was always going to be number one on my list. It, it tops a lot of lists that I have. Uh, you know, top five for sure. Top five all-time movies. Um, but yeah, The Departed. Loved it. Loved it. And I didn't think I would. And I think that's what makes it so great. Is I didn't think I would like this movie. I didn't think it would be for me. And it just turned out to be a great movie. Great movies are going to be great no matter what. No matter what you like, when you see a great movie, you know, unless you just completely hate every character in the movie, you know, you're going to enjoy it. And this was one of those ones that I just completely enjoyed. So that's my list, top 10. And, and one of the reasons why I actually did this episode, and right now I'm in training, my new job, working at Spectrum, you know. Uh, cable company out here in, in, in El Paso. Uh, in between, you know, the training, we we just talk. We talk pop culture. We talk sports. And somebody brought up remaking the Thundercats, and that just made me upset. Like, there's a guy in my class. He just he talks too much. He, he's a little bit older than me. He's the guy who knows everything, um, and he just talks too much, man. He's like. He like answers like instead of the teacher answering question, he he like jumps in and answers all the questions. And it's like, dude, come on, man! Like, and he started talking about the Thundercats. He said two things that really upset me that day. He said that uh, Tyson Fury 
uh, is a better boxer than Muhammad Ali. I almost, I almost fought this dude in the class. Like he was like, you know, Tyson Fury is top three heavyweights of all time. And I was like, well, what do you rank Ali in that? Well, Ali fought people when they were past their prime. We're not gonna go there. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Oh my God! I, I, I just got so mad. And this guy's from Boston, and that almost says everything you need to know about him. But boy, that really upset me. Like the thought that anybody in this on this planet could think that Tyson Fury is any in any facet better than Muhammad Ali, and he even said Mike Tyson. I was like, come on, dude. Like seriously, Tyson Fury's a bum. Tyson Fury couldn't lace up Muhammad Ali's boots, or Tyson's boots, or Holyfield, or Frazier, or Foreman. Like I just started naming boxes, and but so that's for another podcast. But they start talking about remaking the Thundercats, and we start. And I was like, "Why would you ever do that? They're going to make a live action Thundercats. Please don't. Please don't make a live action Thundercats movie. Like that's like literally the last thing this world needs is a live action movie about cats who act like humans. Like don't, don't. The A team was far enough. That's as far as you need to get." Transformers were far enough. You guys took it too damn far with the Transformers. They're making a Transformer Beast Wars movie. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see Transformers number eight. The first three were solid. Let them go. I don't care about Transformer robots anymore. And I definitely don't want to see the Thundercats on it. And the bad thing is I'm going to go watch it in the movies because I'll be intrigued and I'm going to be mad when it's terrible. If you go back and look at the Thundercats, it was a terrible animated series. We thought it was cool because we were kids. You know, if you're old enough to be alive when the original Thundercats came on, to, it was it only lasted for one season or maybe two. Might have had like 30 episodes. Uh, and, and it became part of pop culture. You know, Thundercats hoes, Sword of Omens, Give Me Sight Beyond Sight. That was cool as a kid. I had a, I had a Sword of Omens. I had Panthro, you know. I had the, 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 the cat car, that, the, the car that Panthro drove. I had that stuff. I thought it was super cool. I thought the action figures were cool. I don't want to see a live action movie of the Thundercats. Please don't do that. So I was talking about the Equalizer earlier. And I said I never watched an episode of The Equalizer. And there's a reason I didn't, I've never watched an episode of The Equalizer. And this comes up now. So this week, it, they, they're calling it like the darkest day in TV. They canceled 42 shows. Now, I just started I just started watching The End Game on NBC. One of my guilty pleasures. I love The Blind Spot. I've never really watched The Blacklist. But like these hammy, soapy, like, you know, FBI shows where they were. Or Quantico. I loved Quantico only because I love uh, uh, Chopra. What's her name? I can't think. Priyanka Chopra. Oh, she's so gorgeous. Anyways, I I watched those like the soapy, you know, uh, FBI shows. I'm going to start watching FBI. But every time when I started watching Quantico, I was always scared they were going to cancel it because they weren't, they're not good shows. Like, The Blind Spot wasn't a good show. It, it, like, it, it had a great premise. Like, Prison Break had a great premise. But after, like, season one, it's just retreading the exact same thing and you're remaking the world. 
to make it make sense, but none of it makes sense. Uh, like Heroes. I thought Heroes is a great series. And I very rarely watch series when they first come on because I don't want them to get canceled. The end game got canceled after one season. Naomi and the uh, a CW show, uh, you know, ba- it wasn't really based in the Arrowverse, but it was, you know, it was black female superhero. Um, it came out the gate too slow. Nobody wanted like it was such a mysterious show. Like, get to the point. Like, we want to see superheroes, and I think that slow burn really caused it to get canceled. Uh, but these shows that get canceled after like one season, like no offense to Queen Latifah. I love Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah is one of the greatest rap icons. She's one of, you know, uh, black America's uh, shining lights. But when I heard about this series, I didn't think that the rest of America was going to want to watch Queen Latifah every week beat up bad guys. I really didn't, honestly. Uh, not against her, just against everybody else. Like that—that's my—that's my, you know, bias against everybody else. I just did not see enough black people watching because I don't think black people watch CBS to begin with. It's never been our network, um, but yeah, I just—I didn't see this show lasting. It's been renewed. It's on season two now. I think it's been renewed for season three and four. Um, so I would definitely give it a watch now. Like I don't like getting into into shows and then they get canceled. Then they get canceled on a cliffhanger, you know. Uh, kind of like Manifest. I started watching Manifest. I started watching the show LA's Finest. Uh, it was supposed to be like a, re, a spinoff of Bad Boys with Gabrielle Union, Jessica Alba. You would think, man, this this show should be good, and it ran for two seasons, ended on a cliffhanger, and they canceled it. Um. I just I don't like that. I, so I, I tend to binge a lot of shows, you know, after season four, season five, um, and I'm going to continue to do that because they cancel a lot of shows, you know, good concept shows, a lot of concept shows they cancel before the concept sees its fruition, um, and there's nothing you could do about it. So that was the reason I didn't, I've never watched The Equalizer. I will go back and watch it now. You know, when I get some downtime, especially with the Equalizer 3 on the horizons, I wonder. I don't know if these two people are supposed to be the same or in different universes. It would be cool if they, if Queen Latifah jumped into the movie, too. That would be awesome. Uh, but that's going to wrap up episode 22 of Have You Seen That With T. Um, we talked about reboots and remakes. I don't really know what's on the horizon uh, Top Gun, I don't know if that comes out next week or week after next, um, but I'm excited about Top Gun Maverick. That looks like to be the next big movie. Downtown Abbey, Downtown Abbey, the new error is coming out. That's definitely coming out on the 20th. I know that for a fact. So I'm definitely not going to see that in the theater. I don't. I've never watched an episode of that. Never watched the first movie. Never gonna. Not gonna watch the second one. Um, but I have to check and see if Top Gun's coming out next week. I know it's supposed to come out in May. I don't know if it's coming out Memorial Weekend. I pretty much assume it's going to come out Memorial Day weekend. That's the start of the summer movies. And that's going to be where I give my summer movie preview next week. Put that on your calendar. 
I always have a hard time thinking of shows. It's funny because before I started the podcast, I wrote down concepts for all, like I wrote down a concept for about 30 or 40 shows. I have no idea where I put that. (laughs) And like week by week, a lot of these movies are driving what I talk about. A lot of stuff that happens in pop culture driving what I talk about. Uh, I wish I could find that list because I had lists of actors and I'm going to get, I'm going to get there. Like I've give, put out so many lists. I've not put out too many actor lists. Uh, we're going to get there, but this summer is going to, this summer is about to be awesome. Dr. Strange was last week. Next week, I will definitely spoil everything about Dr. Strange. So watch it this week. I'm going to spoil Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. There's so much I want to talk about. There's some cameos that I'm dying to talk about. I told y'all I was going to give y'all two weeks. Watch it next week. I'm telling you, come Friday, come Saturday, I'm spoiling the movie for you. I'm pretty sure y'all have seen all the spoilers already. It's funny because like after I watch a movie, it's like my, my timeline just gets flooded with these these spoilers. Or, or my Google feed gets spoiled, like, I mean, flooded with, like, all this person was in. Oh, tell, you know, this person talks about its cameo in, in Doctor Strange. This person talks. Uh, so next week, I'm going to talk about Doctor Strange. I'm going to give a complete spoiler-filled, uh, my spoiler-filled review of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And we're going to talk about the rest of the summer slate because this is going to be a big summer for movies. Um, I'm going to love every second of it. And that is going to wrap up this episode of Have You Seen That With T. I will see y'all next week. Be safe. Be loved. Be blessed. I'll check y'all next week.